Well, hello, welcome to another episode of The Daily. This episode finds you on the 10th of June, Thursday. I trust that you have enjoyed the last couple of episodes by Pastor Janice, who is on our teaching team, pastoral team here at the city. And if you are new to The Daily, you can expect to hear more from Pastor Jen as uh, she and I are the main contributors of this podcast, along with our producer Exo, who edits and cuts all of these episodes. And so, expect to hear more from Pastor Jen. She brings much needed depth as well as her own unique flavor to this podcast. And so, always appreciative to hear her contributions. And so, with all that being said, let us begin the podcast. Well, folks, if you know me and you follow my social media accounts, you will know that over the last couple of weeks, we've been putting our four-month-old or baby girl uh, into infant care. Now the experience is uh, harrowing, you know, there is much uh, to be said of the experience. Uh, but in the last few days, she has taken ill, she has fallen sick, she has gotten a bug from um, just being in infant care, which we understand to be just part of the necessary process as she grows to be stronger, more resilient. And one of the things that I found myself needing to do in recent days is to assist my baby in clearing her nostrils. Now we all know that you know when you fall ill, mucus kind of develops and a baby doesn't really know how to blow uh, their nose. And so as parents, this is where we step in to help them clear their nose. And so it's this elaborate process, right, where we would uh, first of all spray her nose with some saline solution. And then we have this apparatus. Uh, It looks really intriguing. It has a tube on one end and kind of like a funnel on the other. We stick one end into her nose and with the tube and uh, I would then proceed to uh, ever so gently uh, suck and and, and uh, try my best to suck out all of the mucus from her nose. Now, you know, you would think that uh, a baby would be really appreciative that uh, her dad would go through all that trouble to ease her of her discomfort, that she would remain still and appreciative and happy as I uh, do this for her. Uh, But of course, uh, she doesn't know better and so she kicks up a major fuss. She gets really angry and upset whenever we whip out the apparatus. And so, you know, it's a two-man job. My wife, Amy, would have to pin her down, hold her arms as I try my best to keep her still and suck out all of that mucus. And usually there'll be some tears, there'll be some crying, and she'll obviously be really, really, really upset. But once I get that big blob, that big snot mucus out of her nose, uh, she would then get really happy, and uh, she would start smiling and laughing, as if nothing happened. Now this is something, of course, I don't personally enjoy doing, but it's just necessary because when she has like her nose all blocked up, she isn't able to breathe well, doesn't really drink well, and so it's something necessary. Though, uh, you know, she's obviously really, really uncomfortable, and it distresses her. I need to do this. Now I wonder for you whether you have ever had to do something like that for someone else, to put another person. Maybe it's a child or friend through something you know may be potentially distressing, uncomfortable, bring about some level of discomfort. But you know that on the other side of that process is good. You have good intentions, you have good will, you have a good heart toward that person. 
desiring the best for them. Or perhaps you've had something like that done to you. You've experienced something like that, where you've been put through a time of discomfort, of distress, and now in hindsight, maybe sometime after the event or the season, you realize that that period actually brought about more good than harm. Though it was distressing and uncomfortable, it was necessary to produce the good that you now see. Now this brings to mind a passage of scripture from 1 Peter. This would have been written towards the uh, later years of Peter's life. And so you had Peter, this mature apostle who had done much for God's kingdom, who had learned much, who had been through much, writing these words to a church to, to which we know historically was under persecution, threat and the rest. And Peter gives these words to them as uh, both pastoral instruction but also an encouragement to them in the midst of hardship, pain, real evil and darkness that they were experiencing. And Peter writes this in uh, the opening chapter of his epistle, his first epistle. He writes this in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, first off, Peter draws from this uh, well-known metaphor that uh, people in his day would uh, immediately be acquainted with. And he draws from this image of a crucible or metallurgy, this uh, purification and refining of metals. Metal would be put into a crucible and the heat would be turned up and metal would be put through heat and pressure. And we'll see impurities rise to the surface and what is left uh, would be a pure and refined product. And that's the kind of picture that Peter was giving to uh, this church which was undergoing persecution, threat, and, and uh, hardship. That through this time of testing, of distress and discomfort, God is able to produce in you something pure and refined. And he says this, that it is done so that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? That through the hardships of life, through times and seasons of distress and discomfort, God is able to use them for his glory, but also to use them for our good, to produce in us a deeper maturity. Because if you think of it, trials, the trials of life are a crucible. They put heat under us and get our souls into a state where it's malleable and mutable. But they also you know, serve in a way where it brings all of the impurity of our lives to the surface. And in doing so, it refines our soul and reshapes it to fit into a new mold, which for followers of Jesus is Jesus himself. Trials have a way of allowing for the things that are antithetical to the way of Jesus to rise to the surface. And the master craftsman, God himself, 
does the sifting work, removing impurities from our life so that our souls may be refined and molded into the image of His Son. There is something beautiful and redemptive about trials. Now I want to land on this simple yet confronting thought, and that is this. What if the goal of life isn't comfort or ease, but the goal of life for all who profess to follow Christ and God and want to be faithful to scripture, to pursue God's kingdom, is Christ-likeness. And the means to which we grow to become like Christ is that we would embrace the crucible of trial, that we would learn to recognize that distress and discomfort, though we don't embrace it in a kind of sadist manner, but there are moments in time or, or moments in our life where we go through periods of discomfort and distress because God in His mercy is putting us through a process such that the impurities to which we've picked up may be sifted out and that our souls may be remolded and shaped into the image of His Son that in His mercy He allows us to go through something uncomfortable so that we may experience good on the other side. Now that is such a confronting thought, an idea to land with. Because when we consider God's goodness, His character, we would immediately think of all the ways He provides for us, blesses us, and gives us our heart's desire. But we will rarely consider God's goodness in light of the trials, the discomfort that He allows us to go through for the sake of our maturity. Much like my baby girl doesn't understand why I have to put her through such a distressing process, at times we fail to see God's goodness and mercy, especially in a hard season. And no doubt some of us go through really, really hard and tragic stuff, some of which is just downright evil. But there are a portion of trials, discomfort in our lives that can be redeemed and used for the sake of our growth and maturity. And that's what Peter was trying to say to that church undergoing uh, distress. And he ends off that portion that we've just read with this line in verse 8. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though in this moment in your hardship you do not see Christ, and yet you rejoice, yet you believe. And I think that is such a profound word that I feel pierces our souls, even as we consider all that we've just heard. In trials, though we may not be able to see God or comprehend how God may be in the picture, yet we still have a deep, profound sense of joy and are still believing. And Peter describes this act of having joy, of believing in the midst of trials, as faith. Faith is not just declaring and proclaiming. Faith is not just what we exercise when we want to petition God for something. But faith is a kind of fidelity. Faith looks like faithfulness 
in spite of hardships, still believing, even when we can't see Christ and can't see God in the picture. I think of how Eugene Peterson describes a life of faith that is long obedience in the same direction is an unwavering steadfast commitment to Christ and His ways. And so as we close off this podcast, let's spend a few moments to consider all that you've just heard. Maybe you have quite recently faced trials, moments and seasons of discomfort, of distress, or maybe it happened some time back, but it has affected you and changed you in a deep way. Allow for yourself in this moment to just take these moments, this seasons and pains that you've been through and bring them before God. And in the tradition to which you've inherited from the Psalms, come to God with an honest why. Why God? Why have I been through this? And I believe God through His Spirit will speak to you this morning and reveal to you His heart, His goodwill toward you, bring comfort to the areas of pain, but also speak to you this day a redemptive purpose for your seasons of pain and distress. And very often we don't see how our pain, these tough seasons can be redeemed for God's glory and purpose because we just can't come to terms with God being able to do that. But that is the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the cross, that instrument of death, a means of execution, turned into an object of beauty, the symbol of our worship. That is what God is able to do even through and in the darkest seasons of your life. And so let's spend a few minutes just leaning into God and allowing Him to speak to us with regards to all that we've been through and how He longs to redeem them for our good. So let's spend a few moments in quiet taking these things before God and allowing Him to speak to us as we begin our day. Let's spend a few moments doing so. Amazing. I hope uh, you receive something even in the time of waiting and prayer. And if not, I want to encourage you after this podcast concludes to not rush, not move on to the next thing, but just spend some time leaning into God in your own time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Daily. I have one more out for you coming out tomorrow and then we'll uh, enter the weekend together. Have a great day ahead. Grace and peace. Hey, Pastor Andre here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Daily. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, you can look us up on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website www.thecity.sg for more information. Have a great day ahead. Grace and peace.